Lord, we do acknowledge together as a church that you are stronger than the strongest powers in this world. Worthy of worship, worthy of adoration, worthy of our submission to your great purposes and your great name. Lord, we are weak. We are not as strong as we think we are. And God, it's good to be reminded, it was good for me to be reminded in that song just now of where our strength comes from. Lord, I want to pray now in faith, in confidence, knowing that you can do this. Give us strength, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit inside of us. Help us to know and acknowledge our weakness in this world and our need for you. And Lord, as that song testifies to, thank you that in our weakness and in your strength, you saw fit to save us. You came into our earth, in, came into our world in weakness and died and rose from the dead to give us victory over sin. So, Lord, we praise you. We praise you as a church. Those gathered here right now, those watching online, we praise the name of Jesus as the great strength of our salvation and our strength for life. Lord, we ask you to right now empower us, transform us, speak to us through the power of your word. Lord, help us to be teachable in these moments now. To confess sin where we need to confess it. To be convicted and pursue change where it's needed in our lives. Harvest Decatur, if you desire that, if you want that, then say amen with me. Agree with me. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, good. Well, everybody go ahead and take a seat. Welcome this morning. Glad you're here. I alluded to this just uh, now in that prayer, one of the things that we're doing, the main thing that we're doing throughout our series, Dare to be Different, is seeking transformation, transformation, seeking metamorphosis. And that comes right out of the Bible, that comes out of right, right out of Romans 12 too. do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So as we begin this morning, those of you who are watching online, those of you who are downstairs, those of you who are in the sanctuary right now, here's my challenge to you throughout this series. Dare to be different, church. Dare to be different from this world. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's what we're pursuing throughout this series. And we started last week by, I give you this illustration. I want to go back to that illustration as we start this morning. Remember, remember the bottle, okay? Teresa Nelson's illustration. You are a bottle, okay? Full of wires. Actually, you are the wires inside of this bottle. And your salvation is the taking of a hammer and smashing that bottle. 
But because your wires are still conformed to that bottle, you, you need to be transformed one by one. And that's my hope in this series, is to take those little wires one by one and, and transform you, metamorphosize you with the power of God's word, with the truth of God's word, so that we're no longer conformed to this world, but we're transformed by the renewal of our mind. Now, we started this process last week by addressing one wire. We did some rewiring on the issue of kingdom-mindedness. Jesus is our king. We're about his kingdom above all else. We prioritize that above all else. Well, I want to build on that this morning by taking another wire and transforming it. And the topic that we're going to cover today, the way in which I dare you to be different from the world, Harvest Decatur, is in the area of truthfulness. I dare you to be truthful, Harvest Decatur. Let me say it this way. I dare you to not affirm lies in this world. The story is told by Hans Christian Andersen about an emperor who has no clothes. There was an emperor who was very fond of appearances and clothing, and he spent a large amount of his money on garments and his appearance. And one day... A few very clever philosophers came into his kingdom and offered to make the king a rare and costly garment. And because of his vanity, the king was receptive to this. And he especially liked the promise of these philosophers that the garment that they were going to make was invisible to people unless they were noble of heart. The king, his ego was stroked by this, and so he decided to commission his new clothing at great cost. And so these philosophers, who were really con men, started to make invisible clothes for the emperor. And they sat before empty looms and pretended to weave invisible garments. Finally, on the day set for the grand parade before the nation, the con men dressed the emperor in his make-believe garment, and then they promptly skipped town. And so the king was paraded before the people in his new garment that was invisible. He paraded before his people, au naturel, without any clothing at all. And the whole populace joined in praising his beautiful new garment. Nobody wanted to be found out to be impure or lacking in integrity. And they said, oh, what a beautiful garment. This is, this is wonderful. Until, and all of this absurdity just continued in the nation. Until in a moment of quietness, a child was heard to say, the emperor has no clothes. And all of a sudden, as that innocent child who didn't know better to not say anything, all of a sudden, Everybody realized, including the king, that he had been duped by con men and that this lie had been perpetuated, not just by him, but by the nation as well, who were duped. Now, as I read that story, and that, that story is pretty old, you might even think to yourself, Pastor Tony, that story is ridiculous and hilarious. Who would ever do that? What nation would ever do? No nation on earth would ever do something like that. Wouldn't they, though? Wouldn't they, though? Have you heard about the boys who identify as girls in our country who are winning, competing and winning female sports? Have you heard about the large 
bearded men who identify as women who are hurting women on the rugby field in Britain. You can't make this stuff up. This is happening now. And I've even heard this last week that referees for these rugby matches matches refuse to referee because they are being asked to prioritize hurt feelings over broken bones as these men go out there and clobber women on the rugby field. Harvesticator, the emperor has no clothes. Who's going to say it? Who's going to affirm it? Who's going to put away their fear of being labeled or canceled and speak the truth to a world that is believing lies? Now, okay, I'm up here this morning. I'm not going to preach a message on gender. I'm not going to preach a message on sexuality, although I think those are where the lies are the most hideous right now in our world. This is not a message on gender. This is not a message on sexuality. I've preached messages like that in the past. This is a message on truth. This is a message on good, old-fashioned, wholesome truth that we should be advocating for, that we should be believing, that we should be espousing. This this is about not preaching lies and not believing lies. I read a book this last year. It's a book by Jordan Peterson called 12 Rules for Life. And I've been fascinated by this book because in a lot of ways it's, it's really basic. I don't agree with everything that Peterson writes in that book, but... There's a lot of things in there that are good and true and basic. And one of the rules that he has in that book, the eighth rule, I think is right on the money. Tell the truth or at least don't lie. That's a rule for life. And what's amazing about this book, it's it's like an international bestseller. All these people are buying this book like this is revolutionary. Tell the truth or at least don't tell lies. It's like we don't even understand basic morality in our world right now. You don't have to buy Jordan Peterson's book and read that to know that. All you have to do is read the ninth commandment. Thou shalt not bear witness, false witness, right? I mean, his eighth rule is the ninth commandment in the Bible. Live by that rule, harvesticator. Thou shalt not bear false witness. In the spirit of Peterson's book and what you might call basic principles on truth, Let me give you today six biblical rules for truthfulness. Take your notes and write these down. I dare you to be different, Harvesticator. I dare you to be truthful in a world that's believing lies. And I'll give you six rules. Six, if I can say it this way, six blinding flashes of the obvious, okay? I mean, nothing I'm going to say today is like, like, wow, that's amazing. I can't believe Pastor Tony thought that up. No, this, this is just basic stuff from the Bible about truthfulness. But maybe it's not so basic anymore. Maybe it's not so understood in our day right now. And we just need to say it. I know some of you right now as parents, you're just trying to affirm these things with your kids. This is the basics of Christianity lived out. And one of the ways that we have to be different from the world is we have to be truthful. We have to be truthful. So six rules. Here's the first one. Go ahead and write this down. Harvest Decatur, affirm truth even when it's uncomfortable. Affirm truth even when it's uncomfortable. If it was always comfortable to speak the truth, then we wouldn't need a commandment from God, thou shalt not bear false witness. If it was easy to speak the truth and affirm the truth, God wouldn't have to command us to do that. Your friend at school wants you to affirm her anorexia and say it's no big deal. It's not dangerous at all. 
Your buddy at work wants you to affirm his pornography addiction and tell him, oh yeah, everybody does. It's not that big a deal. Don't worry about it. He wants you to affirm that lie. Your government wants you to believe that trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars of debt is no big deal. It's copacetic, baby. Don't worry about it. Who's going to speak the truth? Who's going to affirm the truth even when it's uncomfortable in those moments? And it's, just not, it's not just the ninth commandment in the Bible where we see this principle taught. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19 says this, Truthful lips endure forever, but a lying tongue is but for a moment. Zechariah 8.16 says this, These are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your gates judgments that are true and make for peace. Paul says in Philippians 4 verse 8, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is true, along with these other things, whatever is honorable, Just, pure, lovely, commendable. If there's anything of excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think on these things. You know, speaking and affirming the truth, it may be uncomfortable at times to do that in this world. I'm I'm not going to lie to you about that. that. It's hard sometimes to affirm the truth, to uphold the truth. There is a sense in which the world that we live in right now, they desire lies and prefer lies to the truth. Tell me lies, tell me sweet little lies, right? There's a reason that song was so popular in the 80s. Fleetwood Mac, right? Tell me lies, sweet little lies. There's a sense in in which our world wants that, desires that, longs for that. But I'll just tell you in terms of my own conviction, I'd rather have the discomfort of upsetting people with the truth than the discomfort of an afflicted conscience knowing that I'm affirming a lie. Everybody hear me on that? Choose your discomfort. Choose what you'd rather be uncomfortable about. I'd rather have the discomfort of upsetting people with the truth than have the discomfort of an afflicted conscience knowing that I affirm somebody's lie. I want to fear God and not man. I think that's what it comes down to with a lot of these matters. Psalm 86, verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. So first biblical rule for truthfulness is this. Affirm the truth even when it's uncomfortable. Live that out, Harvest Decatur. Our homes, let me give you a a vision. Let me be visionary pastor for a second, okay? Our, Our homes and our church should be a bastion for truth in this world. We should be a city on the hill. We should be a bulwark of truth in this world. That's what I'm going for, for our church, for our communities, for your family, for my family. Affirm truth even when it's uncomfortable. Here's a second principle, biblical rule for truthfulness. Don't ever condone lies. Don't ever condone lies. Psalm 12, sorry, Proverbs 12, verse 22, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Proverbs 14, 25, a truthful witness saves lies, but one who breathes saves lives, sorry, but one who breathes out lies is deceitful. Proverbs 6, 16 through 17, there are six things which the Lord hates, seven that are an abomination to him. 
Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that make haste to run to evil, a false witness who breathes out lies, and a man who sows discord among brothers. Two of those seven things which God hates have to do with lies and deceitfulness. That's how, I, I mean, I, I want to hate those things that God hates, and I don't want to pursue those things that God hates. Ephesians 4.25, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. I mentioned in this last week's video update, just giving you a preview for today's message, I mentioned the Russian Orthodox scholar Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And Solzhenitsyn, he wrote this essay, Live Not by Lies, uh, 1974. How far was that? 35 years ago? A long time ago? 45? Wait, 55? Oh my goodness. How old am I? Before I was born, he wrote this essay, Live Not by I, Lies, 1974. And after he wrote that essay, the secret police broke into his apartment and arrested him. The next day, he was exiled to West Germany. And that essay, you, should, you can go online and read it. It doesn't take very long to read it. It's a call to moral courage and a, a call to truthfulness. Solzhenitsyn, this this. Russian intellectual and dissident during the Cold War period. He was hounded by the Russian secret police for most of his life. And he called the Russian police, even though it was, I mean, this could cost you your life. He, he called the Russian people to the following vows. He made this vow before him, and he called other people to make this vow. Here's a few of them. He says, I will not henceforth write, sign, or print in any way a single phrase which, in my opinion, distorts the truth. I vow this. And he called other people to do similarly. Here's a second vow. I will not depict, foster, or broadcast a single idea which I see as false or a distortion of the truth, whether it be in printing, painting, sorry, sculpture, photography, technical science, or music. He said, I will not allow myself to be dragged to a meeting where there can be expected a forced or distorted discussion of a question. Fourthly, I will not subscribe to or buy a newspaper or magazine which, in which information is distorted or primary facts are concealed. And he's got other vows. You can, you can go and read them. This, these, are, these are commitments he made before the Russian people and called other people to make that same commitment. And some of you might say, come on, Pastor, you know, this is America. This, it's not Cold War Russia right now. You know, there's not a totalitarian regime sending out secret police to arrest us if we don't speak the truth. And okay, yes, yes, this is America. We have the First Amendment. Praise God for that. Praise God that we had people, our forebears, who had enough insight to write that down into our Constitution that could protect us from these things. But, but if you're saying because of that you shouldn't be worried, Pastor Tony, I'm just telling you right now, I should be worried. We should be worried because there is a kind of soft totalitarianism that is working right now in our country. That doesn't have to do with secret police. It has to do with being canceled and being labeled in our world. And if you don't believe me on that, you can read Roger's book, Live Not By Lies. In both cases, what Solzhenitsyn and Dreher are calling us to as Christians is courage in the face of intimidation. Speak the truth. Do not affirm lies in our world. Hold your ground. If not for your own sake, then for the sake of your families, for other people as well. 
Solzhenitsyn writes this. You can read this on the screen. He said, our, w- our way must be never knowingly support lies. Our way must be never knowingly support lies. Let each man choose. Will he remain a witting servant of the lies? Or has the time come for him to stand straight as an honest man, worthy of the respect of his children and contemporaries? I want that. I want to be an honest man, worthy of that respect. It will not be an easy path, says Solzhenitsyn. It will not be an easy path. Perhaps, but it's the easiest among those that lie before us. Not an easy choice for the body, but the only one for the soul. No, not an easy path. But then we already have among us people, dozens even, who live by the truth. That's, we have that here. We have dozens right here committed to that together as a church of Jesus Christ. If you'll excuse me for a moment, I want to move from the sublime to the ridiculous. Could I do that? So that's Solzhenitsyn, okay? Can I mention Jim Carrey and his movie Liar Liar too? Would that be okay? If you don't know that movie, it's, it's a silly movie about a guy. I can't even remember why, but he can't speak a lie for a whole day. And for whatever reason, um, you know, this, this wrecks him professionally. He's a defense attorney, and he's defending a guilty client. So he's unable to speak a lie. It causes all kinds of problems for him in his workplace, and it is hilarious. It's totally hilarious. As this man who always speaks lies now has to speak the truth throughout his life. But what's amazing about it, if there's anything redeeming about that movie, if you've seen it before, even though this thing, this forcing Jim Carrey to speak only the truth and never to lie, wrecks him professionally, it's actually good for him relationally with his kids because he can't lie to them anymore and actually helps heal his relationship at home. Proverbs 14.25 says, A truthful witness saves lives, but one who breathes out out lies is deceitful. Can I just give you a word of exhortation, parents, here? Don't ever lie to your children. Don't ever allow untruthfulness to reign in your home. Don't lie to your children, and don't let your children lie to you. You know, my dad, he told me a story once about my granddad. You know, my granddad raised three boys, and I mean, you can imagine in that household with my dad, his two brothers, there was a lot of sin in that household, okay? There was a lot of fighting. There was a lot of roughhousing. There was a lot of wrestling. There was a lot of, you know, punching and kicking and biting. And my granddad told my dad, he said, I'm going to let a lot of things slide in this house, but don't you ever lie to me. (laughs) You're going to be in more trouble with me if you lie to me than if you just fess up. Just tell me. Tell me what happened. It'll be better for you. It'll go better for you. And that's the way our our houses should be. Our homes should be. They should be bastions of truth. They should be places where all deceit and all manipulation and all lies should be banished. And and parents, I'll just tell you right now with your kids, don't tolerate lies with them. And you know what? Put the shoe on the other foot. Don't lie to your children either. If If your kids ask you a question and you're not ready to answer that question, don't say anything. All right? Just tell them. You're not ready to hear the answer to that yet. Check back with me in 18 months. Let me say it this way. I'll give you one qualification. If you work for the CIA, you can lie to your children, okay, for their protection. 
Anybody work for the CIA in this room? If, if you, don't raise your hand. Okay, I don't want to know <laughs> if you work for the CIA. Don't, don't tell me. You can lie to me too. It's probably better for me that I don't know. Outside of that, don't lie to your children. And don't let them lie to you. In fact, I would say this. Make a covenant with them. Get them together and make a vow. Make a vow with your spouse. I will never lie to you. Don't lie to me back. Let's live in truth, the goodness of truth as we know it. And call your children to that vow as well. You know, what's so sad is we live in a day right now where the world is intentionally deceiving people. They're telling biological boys that it's safe and appropriate to be girls and biological girls that it's safe and appropriate to be boys. And we're handing out puberty-blocking drugs to kids without even thinking this could damage them for life. What are we doing? And who is the person, who are the people who are gonna stand up and say, that is not right. That is not true. And that is not the best thing for those people who are struggling with that. Who are going to be the people in our world who stand in the gap? I think God is looking for men and women in our world right now who will stand in the gap and speak the truth and not condone lies in our world. Are you willing to be those kinds of people, Harvest Decatur? It's not going to be comfortable. Go ahead and write this down as number three in your notes. Here's a third rule for truthfulness. Let me take my foot off the gas a little bit. Speak the truth. So don't condone lying. Affirm the truth even when it's uncomfortable and speak the truth when it's wise to do so. In other words, don't cast your pearls before swine. I want to qualify hedge just a little bit with those first two statements because I, I don't I don't want us to all go run on Facebook this afternoon and start a firestorm of truth with everybody that we know, okay? There is wisdom and discernment in how we speak truth. And I'll just, let me just analogize it this way. Truth is like a sword, okay? It's like a sword. And if you brandish that weapon and just start swinging it around indiscriminately, you're going to cut up some folks. You might even cut yourself up. There is a time and there is a place for truth. There's never a time for lies, okay? So unless, unless it's the lesser of two evils. Do you know what, do y'all know what I mean by that? We see this in the Bible in terms of lying. Rahab was justified before God by lying about the Israelite spies that were in her house. Joshua 2, if you want to look that up. The, the midwives... For the Israelites who lied to Pharaoh, and if you remember that story from Exodus chapter 1, they were justified in God's, that was the lesser of two evils. Okay, so if the World War II, the German Gestapo comes to your house and asks you, do you have Jews hiding in your house? And you say no, you were justified before God doing that. That's the lesser of two evils. But can I just say that that whole argument that on ethics, that, those are rare instances where lying is appropriate. Most of you, just as a rule of thumb for your life, don't ever speak lies, ever. You never need to. But in terms of truth, there is a time and a place for it. There is a wisdom that comes in discerning where to speak the truth. 
And we get this from Jesus. Jesus says this in Matthew 7, verse 6. He says, do not give dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. When Jesus said that on the, from the Sermon on the Mount, he was thinking about social media. He was. He was thinking about Facebook. He was thinking about Twitter. Do not cast your pearls before swine. There is wisdom in knowing when to say something and when to do something. And it didn't originate with Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Proverbs 23, verse 9, Do not speak in the hearing of a fool, or he will despise the good sense of your words. Proverbs 9, verse 7 and 8, Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. One of the things that we have to do as Christians, and this is, this is not a blinding flash of the obvious, okay? This is something that takes time and wisdom, and, and in some cases, just age. You have to age into this. You have to know when to speak and when not to speak. You have to know when to be silent. You have to have discernment. You have to have selectivity with your speaking. You might say, well, what do you mean selectivity? What does that mean? Being selective, Pastor. It means that not every thought that comes into your head needs to be spoken, right? If you've been married for longer than like six months, you know that's true. Not every thought that comes into your head needs to be, not everything that you could speak should you speak. You have to learn that as a married person. You have to learn that as a parent. Proverbs 15, verse 23, to make an apt answer is a joy. Everybody listening? The Proverbs are so good. I wish, I wish our whole country would just go through a Bible study right now on the Proverbs. That would be so great for our country. Proverbs 15, 23, to make an apt answer. To make an apt answer is a joy to a man and a word in season, how good it is. You might say, but it's true, Pastor. It's true. What I told that person was true. All right, well, was it apt? Was it apt? Was it, was it the right thing to say at the right time? Was your tone right? Was, was, was it meant in the way that you were sharing with that person to build that person up to help them? Or was it meant to tear them down? Was it apt? Proverbs 16, 23, the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious. Judicious. And adds persuasiveness to his lips. Judicious is a good word. It's the right word right there. Only the words that are needed. Only those words that are helpful. Only those words that are persuasive in the best sense of that word. Paul says whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, think about these things. And if it's true that we need to think about those things, how much more should that be true of what we say? I, I know you might say, and some people do say that, you know, Pastor Tony, you know, I've got no filter. I've got no filter. Just, you know, it comes to my head and I just say it. That is not virtuous. That is not a talent. Anybody can do that. The book of Proverbs would never see that as virtuous. In fact, that's a, that's a vice, not a virtue. Just blurting out speech instead of being selective with what you say. A person told John Wesley once, said, Mr. Wesley, I pride myself in speaking my mind. That is my talent. 
And John Wesley replied, well, the Lord wouldn't mind if you buried that talent. Proverbs 18.13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. Mark Twain said this once. You can read this on the screen. He said, it's better to keep your mouth shut and be thought a fool rather than open it and remove all doubt. You might say, well, that's pretty clever. Mark Twain was pretty clever. Actually, he's just paraphrasing a proverb, Proverbs 17.28, even if a fool... Keep silent, he is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. Proverbs 18.2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Proverbs 15.28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. How do I answer, Lord? How do I speak? How do I say to this person what needs to be said? Should I be the person who says this to that person? The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Proverbs 12, verse 17, whoever speaks the truth gives honest evidence. You speak the truth, you give evidence. Here's why this is true. Here's the evidence behind what I'm saying here. But a false witness utters deceit. Here's one of my favorite Proverbs. Proverbs 18, verse 6. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and a mouth of a fool invites a beating. The American author Ambrose Bierce, who was not a Christian, probably the farthest thing from a Christian, he said once, speak when you are angry, and you will make the best speech you will ever regret. Proverbs 21, 28, a false witness will perish, but the word of a man who hears will endure. The word of a man who hears. Are you, are you a man, a woman who hears before you speak? Are you a good listener? Your mama said it best. You got, best, you got two ears and one mouth, right? You should listen twice as much as you talk. Did your mama say that? Maybe that was just my mama. I'm an extrovert. I needed to hear that. Are you a good listener? Are you, and, and here's the thing too, about instead of truth, Here's why this is so important. Instead of truth being this sword that you're just swinging around indiscriminately, cutting people up, instead of that, truth now becomes a surgeon's scalpel. And it's used to heal. It's used to help. It's used to correct, to benefit another person. A tongue that speaks truth like that is a tongue that brings healing. Can I just say this for a second? Just a word of warning to you from your pastor. Be careful avoid the person who thinks that they know everything about everything the know-it-all that person is closer to a fool than a sage avoid that person and some of you might you might even ask me you know pastor tony what's the truth about all this covid19 stuff what's going on right now in this world do these masks do these even help is this even a good thing i'll just tell you right now here's my opinion you want it here it is i don't know I don't know. I'm not a virologist. Can I just be honest with you? Uh, Full disclosure. I took zoology in college because I didn't want to take a real science class. That's how good I am at science. So if you're looking, don't look to me for opinions on that. I'm doing the best I can. We as elders are doing the best that we can with the information that we know and discern it. 
I think one of the biggest problems of social media, social media can be a good thing. It can be used for God's glory. I'm not here to condemn it. But one of the biggest problems I have with it is speaking, people speaking confidently and authoritatively about things they have no authority on. They have no idea what they're talking about. It's not just casting pearls before swine. That's a part of it too. But people being authoritative when they have no expertise to be authoritative. And, and like I said, we as elders, we're trying to discern the best we can with what to do in our church, how to keep our church meeting, how to discern children's ministry, what we do with that, how we obey our local governments and our state governments and our federal governments. And, you know, I'm about to preach Romans 13 in a few weeks. So, I mean, that's like weighing on my conscience, like all of that. We're doing the best that we can with the information that we have. Pray for us in that. But if you're looking for a pastor to speak loud and proud on, I'm not your guy for that. And some of that is because I do have an area of expertise, and it's not that. And I don't want to compromise the trust that you have in me and those things that I really know by talking about things I don't know. That's wisdom. So Harvest Decatur, don't ever, ever speak lies or affirm lies. Always affirm the truth, but also speak the truth when it's wise to do so. It requires wisdom. Write this down as number four in your notes. Here's another, just in that same vein. Speak the truth with gentleness and love for others, even your enemies. Speak the truth with gentleness and love for your enemies, love for others, even your enemies. What does that look like to speak with gentleness and love for others? Some of you, you might say, ah, Pastor Tony, I don't do gentleness. I'm a, I'm a tough guy. I don't, I don't do gentleness. Gentleness doesn't work at my workplace. You know, they'll, they'll, it's a dog-eat-dog world at work. They'll chew you up and spit you out if you're gentle. Well, that might be the case, but let me just tell you that gentleness is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And if you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, which I hope you do, if you're saved, you do, then that's going to produce gentleness in your life, in your conduct, at work, with your family. That's going to grow inside of you. This is not optional like, well, I don't really want to be one of those gentle people. You've got to have this. And let me say this well, just as well, just to clarify, gentleness, the biblical concept, of that's not like namby-pamby, let the world walk all over you. That is not what I'm talking about. Gentleness has a backbone. Gentleness, gentleness has strength. There is a gentleness that's taught in the New Testament that's demonstrated by Jesus and by the Apostle Paul and others that demonstrates great discipline and self-control. And people who learn to speak with gentleness while at the same time have great conviction those people wield great power in this world and I want to be one of those people would it shock you to know that gentleness doesn't come easy to me does anybody is anybody shocked by that I've had to work at that I'm still working on that. You know, at the beginning of 2020, I have this whiteboard at my home office. I brought a picture of it. Y'all probably can't see that, those of you who are here, but if you're watching at home right now, maybe you can read some of that. And if you are at home right now and you can read that, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Boy, Pastor Tony has fantastic penmanship on the whiteboard. How? I never saw that happening. At the beginning of 2020, I, I wrote down these verses. 
And I didn't know how prophetic some of these proverbs would be. If there was ever a year I needed some of this, it was 2020. And 2021 isn't looking a lot different. Proverbs 25, 11 through 12, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening ear. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like sword thrusts. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. Lord, give us tongues that bring healing, I pray. Proverbs 12:16 The vexation of a fool is known at once but the prudent ignores an insult. <laughs> you know what I pray a lot almost every day, Lord make me imperturbable. Please like George Washington, make me imperturbable. May my vexation not be seen. Proverbs 16:23 The heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. I read that already. Probably good that I read it again. Are these blinding flashes of the obvious? Maybe I I undersold this. Proverbs 17, 27. Whoever restrains his words has knowledge, and he who has a cool... Spirit is a man of understanding. You know what I pray almost every day now too? Lord, make me cool. And I like cool pastor because I told you last week I've given up on that. I don't do that anymore. I mean, make, give, me, give me a cool spirit. Make me that, that person at ease, that even-tempered person in the room. I'm going to keep praying that. Proverbs 15.1, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The Bible teaches that the person who can train his tongue, her tongue to do these things, can quell a tense situation with gentle and truthful speech. I want to be that person. You can diffuse a volatile situation with a trained tongue, church. And there's great power in that. Jesus told us to love our enemies, didn't he now? Even our ideological enemies. And pray for those who persecute us. Yes, we need to hate the sin of lying. Yes, we need to despise lies in our world. But we need to love the liar. We need to love the sinner. That's another thing that Jesus teaches us. Because that, here's why, here's why. And this is a theological, not everybody's going to have this conviction, but we should have this conviction. Because that, that liar, that sinner, that ideological opponent of yours, that person is made in the image of God. There is human dignity bound up in that person, and we believe that as Christians. And even if that person treats you as less than human, you as a Christian are not allowed to respond in kind. Because you have this conviction deep inside of you. That person is made in the image of God. And Jesus told me to love my enemies. So I'm going to disagree. And I'm going to disagree strongly and convictionally. 
but I'm going to do it with gentleness and with self-control and with love for that person. What did Jesus say on the cross as people were putting him to death? Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. You know what I think sometimes about those in our world who are deceived, maybe even spouting out lies to our world? I, I think about that. They just don't know what they're doing. And I've got to say that in my own soul. Father, forgive them. They don't, they don't know what they're doing. And help me to speak true to them firmly and convictionally, but with gentleness and with Christian love for them. God, help us to do that. Here's a fifth biblical rule on truthfulness. Just a couple more here. Be careful with this one, especially after point number four. Don't create a false dichotomy between love and truth. Don't create a false dichotomy between love and truth. One of the things that you'll hear in, this, in our day right now is something like this. If you love me, then you'll affirm this thing in my life. If you love me, then you'll affirm this this lie, this, this aspect of self-deceit, this destructive pattern I have in my life. And, and people are constantly trying to say, well, you can, you can be loving or you can be truthful. All right, what kind of church, Harvest Decatur, what kind of church, are you, a, are you one of those loving churches or are you one of those truthful churches? Like, like you have to pick a side, you know? And I feel like the world is constantly like divided, divided, dichotomize it. You got to do this or you got to do that. Can I just say the Bible knows nothing of a split between those. The Bible knows nothing of a kind, that kind of love either that, that is devoid of truth. That is a modern invention. That is not the way that love is described in the scriptures. Speaking of this, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, this great epic description of love, the Greek word agape. He says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. And then Paul says this in verse 6, and this is what I want to key on. He says, love does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love and truth like each other. I've said this before. They, they hang out together, love and truth. They go have coffee with one another. They're friends. They're, they're together. And love rejoices in the truth. It doesn't put down the truth or allow the world to split it apart. You can be loving or you can be truthful, but you can't be both. No. In fact, when I read Romans 12 too, when I recite that, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When I read that, you know what comes to mind? What comes to mind is the world's definition of love. Do not be conformed to the world's definition of love, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, studying and knowing God's definition of love. Because when you look at the world right now, the world's definition of love is not the biblical world's definition of love. The, the best way I could describe it, the world's definition of love is, here's the word that comes to mind, sentimentality. That's what that's what the world thinks of when they say love. They think of sappiness. They think of romantic comedies. We've seen too many romantic comedies. And we don't understand love as God intended it. And we've got to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. We've got to metamorphosize by the power of God's word in our lives. And while I'm on this topic, 
don't create a false dichotomy either between grace and truth. Don't create a false dichotomy between love and truth. Don't create a, create a false dichotomy between grace and truth. Truth is not the enemy of grace. And grace is not the enemy of truth. And John the Apostle, when he speaks of Jesus, he says this in John 1 verse 14, And the Word became flesh, Jesus, and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Who's the perfect embodiment of both grace and truth? Our Lord, Jesus. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And when, when, when I say grace and Jesus was the perfect embodiment of grace and truth, I don't mean like, you know, 50% grace, 50% truth, you know, like split the difference. I mean like 100% grace, 100% truth. Full throttle grace, full throttle truth. That's who Jesus was. And that's who we, as Jesus' followers, struggle to approximate. Always gracious, always truthful. And speaking of grace, Jesus in his love for us went to the cross, sacrificing himself, dying on that cross so that we might be saved. And when he did that, he never compromised truth. He never compromised it in doing that. Harvest Decatur, don't create a false dichotomy between love and truth and don't create a false dichotomy between grace and truth either. And here's the sixth and final biblical rule on truthfulness. Always defer to the perfect embodiment of truth. So six rules. Affirm truth even when it's uncomfortable. Don't ever condone lies. Speak truth when it's wise to do so. Speak truth with gentleness and love for others, even your enemies. Don't create a false dichotomy between love and truth and always defer to the perfect embodiment of truth. Jesus said in John 14, verse 6, tell me if y'all have heard this before. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but by me. Y'all heard that before? Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, this is John 8, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Paul calls the church in 1 Timothy 3.15 the pillar and the buttress of the truth. And he says in 1 Timothy 2.4 that God desires all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. And as followers of Jesus Christ, I'll just tell you, I'll admit to you this morning, I, I don't know everything. I don't know all the truth in this world. I don't know the truth, not all of it, about the coronavirus. I don't know if the Russians meddled in our election, this election or last election. I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know if the coronavirus vaccine is right for you and your family. I, I don't know. I'm trying to figure that out myself with my own family. I need to stick to what I know. And I know the truth about Jesus Christ. I know the truth about him that this book of truth teaches. That those who put their faith in him will have their sins forgiven and will live for eternity with him in perfect joy and in perfect fellowship. I know the gospel as truth. 
before I know anything else. So Harvest Decatur, live not by lies. Live according to the truth and always defer to the perfect embodiment of truth, Jesus Christ. And there might be some right now. Can we just bow our heads before the Lord right now as we pray and close? you're watching online right now join us will you please you can be ignorant about a lot of things in this world you cannot know a lot of truth but you have to know this You have to believe this. This is the most important truth in the world. That the Son of God, Jesus Christ, came to this earth and He died a bloody, gruesome death on a cross to pay for your sin. And three days later, he rose from the dead. And this book of truth, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That is the truth. So if you've never embraced Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've never made a commitment to Him, now is the day to do that. Now is the day to say, Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I've broken your law. I've lied. I've supported lies, if nothing else. And yet I put my faith in Jesus. I believe his death. I believe his resurrection. I believe he paid the price for my sin so that I might be saved. You can pray that prayer right now and believe and be saved. Lord Jesus, we are the children of God. We sang about that already today. We are the sons and daughters of God. God, would you help us as your church to live not by lies, live according to the truth, courageously stand up for the truth, Lord, even if the world denies it. Help us to be truth tellers, truth speakers, truth affirmers. Give us wisdom to know, Lord, when we should and can speak truth. Help us to have the right tone, Help us to have the right gentleness we need in those moments, I pray. Help us to imitate what you modeled for us, Jesus, I pray. Do that work in our church, I pray in the name of Jesus, amen.